Paul said in Philippians 3, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I mean, just think about those words for a minute with me. Um, Paul said, I want to know Christ. I mean, that's a longing. Like, that's a longing. That's like a deep longing. If you just said that, you know, as you went about your day, I just want to know you, Lord. I just want to know Christ. I want to know Christ, not, not just up here, like in my head, know scripture about Christ, but I want in my heart, in my soul, in the depth of who I am, I want to know Christ. I want to like be so in tune with Christ that as I walk on this earth, Jesus is the one walking on the earth through me. I want to know Christ, not just know about Christ. Plenty of people know about Christ. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about knowing, like hearing, walking with, and, and obeying Christ. David said, David said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Now that's a cry, right? We know what was going on in David's life back then, what he had done. But, but this prayer of David's was, was create in me a clean heart, O God. Like, that was a cry of David's, a person, just like us, to God, saying, God, please do in me what only you can do. Like, only you can do it. Like, doctors can't do it, drugs won't do it, right? The latest fix won't do it, drinking won't do it, the, ne the next latest uh, video game that I'm playing on our phone won't do it. David said, Lord, only you. Only you can create in me a clean heart. And you know, that's, that's a great prayer for us, right? Like, I hope, that, I hope that as we're talking about prayer and focusing on prayer, it isn't just learning information about prayer. I want to pray better. I want to pray deeper. I want to pray biblically, right? Not just like biblical knowledge, this is how you pray, these are things you do. But I want to pray in such a way that, that I am getting out of prayer everything that God wants me to get out of prayer. Like this connection with God that, that is beyond the flesh, that is beyond the physical, that's beyond human, human understanding and human like intellect. Like just to know him deeply, to, to have a connection with God that that I can't even describe. That's what I want. I hope that's what you want. I think if, if we got there, if even a few of us got there, God could do mighty things. You know? God could do mighty things. Like just truly relying on God to do what God wants to do and then just walking with him in it and obedient to him in it. I want to know that. I want that connection. You know, I want that. So 1 Timothy chapter 2, if you would go there in your Bibles, we're going to start with this passage in 1 Timothy 2. Um, Paul is writing and he says some things here about prayer that's going to kind of introduce where we're going today and, and where we're going to go in the next few weeks. He talks about prayer. And he says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, or actually through uh, 6a, he says these words, and we're going to dig in this for just a minute. He says... He says, I urge then that first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. 
This is good and pleases God our Savior who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Man, that's good, right? That's, you know, there's a lot of passages of Scripture on prayer and what the Bible says about prayer and Jesus' prayers. That's what we're studying on Wednesday night. You know, all these prayers that Jesus prayed, prayers that Paul prayed, Scriptures in the Old Testament and the New Testament that talk about prayer. We are digging into what prayer is, like everything about it, so that we can just like saturate our minds with what God wants us to do in prayer. Like, that is huge. You know what, you know? Unless the Lord builds the house, the workers labor in vain. So we can do all kinds of cool things, but it will mean nothing. It'll mean nothing if it isn't the Lord. And the only way it will be the Lord is if we call on Him. And we go to Him. And we cry out to Him. And we realize how desperately we are for Him. I don't think we, we, de- we desperately understand that. I think we, we, we get pulled into the world so much that we just think we got it. We got this. We get numb to our need for God. You know, we get, we get, we get like world struck and we just think we got this. Go about my day. I know what I'm doing. I do my job. I fill up with gas. I buy the groceries. I cook it. We eat. I sleep. I get up and I do the repeat, right? And we just go through life and we don't realize we're being sucked away from, from our desperation for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so we need to stay right there. We need to keep coming back to what we just sang, the heart of worship, which is all about Him. It's all about Him. It's all about you. So Paul says in these verses, if you're looking at them, verses 1 uh, through 6a uh, there, he says, I urge you, right? That word urge right there is not just like a suggestion. It's not like Paul saying, you know, if you want, you know, do these things. Paul's saying, look, I urge you, this is of most importance. This, is, this matters. And he's, then he even says, then first of all, like this is a priority, These things are priority. These are things that we must be doing as believers in Christ. If we're going to say we're following Jesus, then these are things that Paul is saying you must be about. And you must make a priority of these things. And he says, first of all, that he says, he gives four words, petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, okay? So think of those words, right? Prayer is more than just saying a bunch of words to God, right? We've reduced it to now I lay me down to sleep, right? We've reduced it to bless us, O Lord, for these thy gifts. We've reduced it to simple little prayers, and they are meaningless. They're meaningless if they're not coming from from the Spirit of God in us. Right? And somehow we've got to get in better tune with the Spirit of God in us. And I know that freaks people out when you say that. But he says petitions, and that means just to ask. To make a petition is to ask, right? That's what he, Paul says, do this, ask. Like, like we, he already knows what we want, but he, he knows us 
And uh, 1 John 5 says, we know that he hears us. So we ask, like we lay it out there to God. We talk to God and we, we let him know what we're feeling, what we're thinking. He wants us to do that. And the word prayers there is simply like it's, it has to do with speaking to God, right? You don't use prayer when it comes to anybody else. Prayer is specifically talking to God. It isn't talking to your neighbor or your wife or your spouse. You don't say, I'm going to go pray to my wife, right? You don't we don't talk like that. Like when you talk about prayer, it's to God. That's who you're speaking to. You're communicating to God. And so when you say, I'm going to pray, you're talking about God. We're not there yet. Intercession, the word intercession has to do with approaching, approaching on uh, God on behalf of other people. So Paul says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and that's this idea is to plead to God for someone. For something. You're pleading to God. You're, you're standing between your friend or your issue and God, and you are crying out to God for something. And he says, and thanksgiving. And that simply is to give God the praise that he deserves, right? We come to God with a joyful and a thankful heart and a heart of a appreciation for what he has done for us. Be made for all people. So he says, everybody, you know, for all people. And then he says, look, in case you're wondering who the people are, here we go. He says, the kings, for kings, right? For all those that are in authority, so our leaders, we, we were praying for them. We're petitioning to God. We're praying to God. We're intercession, interceding for them. We're, we're praying with thanksgiving for them. And all those that are in authority. And, and then he says, here's why. That you may live a peaceful and quiet life. We're, we're crying out to God because he's the only one we can turn to. He's the only one that could do anything about our situation. And we're praying to him with petitions and prayers and thanksgiving and requests so that God will move on behalf of those who are in leadership roles so that as people we may live together peacefully and quiet lives in godliness and in holiness, right? That's our heart's desire is to be like God, to live like God on the earth, to be apart from the world, Right? We are not conformed to the world. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we're separate. We're different. We're strangers and aliens on this planet. This is not our home. And so we are crying out to God to give us a mind that is not of this place, but is of heaven, like a heavenly mind. While we live in this fleshly body on the earth, this is, prayer is intense. Prayer goes deep. I'm afraid most time we don't want to go there. It scares the living daylights out of us, right? It's freaky. When you start talking about the spirit being involved, people freak out. Can't have too much of that. that that's, that's getting a little crazy. You know what I'm talking about. He said, verse 3, this is good. So this is God's will, right? This is good. This pleases God, our Savior, right? When we do this, we pray, petition, intercede with thanksgiving for those in leadership roles, so we can live a quiet life, peaceful, godliness, holiness. He said, this is good, this pleases God, our Savior, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. And so Paul says, look, this is, this is the reason you can pray. You get to pray because Jesus came to the earth and gave himself up for you. And he makes prayer possible. He makes the channel between you and God available, that it's there. We can now have access to God through Jesus and him alone. It's pretty intense. You're going to want to come on Wednesday nights. 
And so in the weeks to come, we're, we're going to talk about the when of biblical prayer, the where of biblical prayer, the what about biblical prayer. And today I want to talk about the who. Now you're there. The who, the who. And when we say the who, we're talking about the who. We're not talking about unbelievers. We're not talking about unbelievers who, who have never received Jesus in their lives. And, and you know what I'm talking about when I say that. You know, there's a lot of people who pray, right? Everybody at some point pray, usually when they're in trouble, right? We, we want to turn to God. When things aren't going well, we want to turn to God. And when things go bad, we want to blame God. Well, we're not talking about unbelievers who don't even have the Holy Spirit living in them. They can't pray. They can talk. God will hear it. But there's no Spirit of God in them communicating with the Spirit of God in heaven. So their prayers are powerless. Powerless. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm going to go through a lot of scriptures. You're just going to want to write them down. They're not all going to be on the screen. Write them down. Check them out later, please. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. Did you get that? Yeah. Hear that? The person without the Spirit. So if the Spirit of God isn't living in you, if you haven't accepted Christ as Lord of your life, Jesus isn't in you, you are a person without the Spirit. You don't accept the things that come from the Spirit of God because there's the Spirit of God in heaven and the Spirit of God living in you. And if that Spirit isn't there, there's no communicating. There's no way you can't communicate. You're just a flesh person talking in the air. He said, but considers them foolish. They, that person without the Spirit considers these things foolish. They cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So the Spirit has to be living in you. So when we're talking about the who, we're not talking about people who just cry out to God but don't have the Spirit of God living in them. And we're not really talking, I'm not really talking in this case, about believers, Christians, when I say the who who have received Jesus as Lord, right? Who are striving to live for him every day. I'm not talking about them when I say the who. These ones that have the Spirit of God living in you. because And that Spirit of God living in you is longing for the Creator. That's what the Spirit of God is doing in you. The who that I am talking about for today is this. Is the one, is the one that our prayers are directed to. He's the who. Who our prayers are going to. The recipient of our prayers. The focal point of us praying the who is Father God. The one who controls everything. The one who's, who made everything. The one who knows everything. The one who is all-powerful, all-seeing, all-knowing. That who. He's the one we pray to. No other God. No other person. Through no other thing. But we pray to God the Father, right? That's the who. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said this. Check this out. He said, true prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. It's much deeper than just your words. You know, it's way deeper than our words. And a lot of times we pray, when we go to pray, we, we, we just have gotten in this routine of we just, we bow our heads and we just say a bunch of words. And that's not prayer. That's saying a lot of things, 
but that's not necessarily prayer. Prayer is much deeper than that, Spurgeon says, and Scripture says. So look with me in in Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 4, okay? Hebrews 4, and there's a couple points that come out of here. There's three things I want to share with you about about the who when it comes to prayer, biblical prayer. Hebrews chapter 4. Writer is writing in, in chapter 4, verse 14, and look what he says. He says, Therefore, since we have a high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. (laughs) When it comes to the who of biblical Prayer. There's two things here that, that the Hebrew writer points out that I want to point out to you. And the first thing is this. Prayer is communication with Father God. That's what it is. It's communicating with God, the maker of heaven and earth, the creator of the universe. Prayer is communicating with God. That's what prayer is. Verse 16 says this. The second part of uh, that Hebrew passage says, let us then approach God's Throne of grace with confidence. And so where are we going when we pray? We are going, we, we, should, we should just melt is what should happen. Somehow the Spirit of God is protecting us from, from disintegrating because what we're doing in prayer, if we're really understanding what's going on in prayer, is we are going to the very throne of God. We are standing before God. If you close your eyes in prayer, you are standing before the creator of the universe. If the Spirit of God is living in you and you are praying to God, you are before his throne. He says, let us approach the throne of God's grace with confidence. So the first thing is prayer is communication with God the Father, right? That's it. And we see this truth throughout the scriptures. Let me share with you a few scriptures. Write these down. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. John writes, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Okay, those of you who believe, your believers, your followers, so that you may know that you have eternal life, right? We have eternal life. There's a confidence that we have life, eternal life in Jesus. Verse 14, this is the confidence, he says, we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Like when we pray, when we're praying, we're not just babbling a bunch of words and God blesses food and God this and that. We are going before the throne of God. Now if we really understood that, we would be very careful, very cautious with what comes out of our mouth. Wouldn't we? I mean, there would be an intensity about the understanding that I am in the presence of Almighty God when I bow my head to pray and a seriousness that should overwhelm me and my words probably should be few. 
right? If you stood before a king, you would stand there in awe and you wouldn't say much. And when you stand before God, it should be about the same way, right? That if you believe in the Son of God, that, that we have this eternal life and a confidence. So in approaching God, that's who we're approaching. We're approaching God and we're going to pray. We're going to ask for anything according to his will. And when we do that, we know that God is hearing us. That is so amazing. That's so good. I mean, that's so cool. Like we're just flesh people. We're just human beings. And we get to go before the throne of God. Matthew 6 says it like this. Matthew 6, 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to to pray standing on the synagogues and and on the street corners to be seen by others. Motive is wrong. It's all wrong. It's all messed up. Truly, he says, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. Verse 6. But when you pray, Jesus talking to his disciples, when you pray, Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. Pray to Father God, who is unseen, then your Father, who? Father God, who sees what is done in secret, He will reward you. The who of our prayer is God. He is the one that we go to. I'm not sure what we're thinking when we pray most of the time. I'm not sure what I'm thinking most of the time when I pray. But I am not picturing myself standing before the throne of God enough. And I want to do that. I need to do that. Because that's exactly what's happening when we pray. We're standing before the the God of all creation who has the power and the might to, to end it all at any second who put everything in motion. So the word there, Father, he says, when you pray, then your Father who sees what is in secret will reward you. The word Father means Senior, Senior. So he's talking about Father God, Senior. James 4.2 says, "You you do not have because you do not ask God. You don't ask God. You're trying to figure it out yourself. You're not asking God. Matthew 6, 9, Jesus is teaching his uh, people how to pray, and he says, when you pray, our Father in heaven. Even Jesus said, when you pray, you are praying to God the Father. That's who you're praying to. That's who your prayers are going to. And in John 17, Jesus gives us an example of prayer. And and, and, in this passage, he looks toward heaven and he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. And in all of Jesus' prayer, he's clearly praying, not to himself. He is praying to Father God. And every time he prays, he's praying to his Father. From his baptism, when his father's voice said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, right? To his words on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. 650 prayers in the Bible, and we have 25 different occasions of Jesus praying, and in every one, he's talking to Father God. That's the who of his prayer. Secondly, prayer is is through Jesus. Prayer 
happens through Jesus. There's no other way to get to God. You don't talk to God through some other form or some other manner. We talk to God through Jesus. He is the one that made the way. In our passage in Hebrews 4, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Passage is clearly talking about Jesus, the Son of God. And so he is the great high priest. And what is a great high priest? He is the one that gets us access to the Holy of Holies and to the presence of God. And only Jesus can do that. When we pray to Father God, we are going through Jesus. We are going through Jesus. Right? He's the only one. He's the go-between. Not so much like a referee you know, breaking up uh, people. You know, like you think about a referee, what a referee does on a ball field. They, they're trying to make sure everyone plays by the rules and enforcing the rules. That's not the idea in the go-between of Jesus. He's more, like, he's more like a good, fair judge who lays out the law, and then when we break it, he pays the penalty for our sin. He's that go-between. He's the one who, who makes the verdict guilty and then pays the penalty for you. That's the kind of go-between that Jesus is. That's what he is as our high priest. And in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23, the scripture says, Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented... Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. So many high priests all through time, they died and their term ended. Verse 24, but because Jesus lives forever, he has permanent priesthood, right? Therefore, he is able, Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. <laughs> that's it. How do we get to God the Father? We go through Jesus the Son, and that's the only way. That's why we pray in Jesus. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. We approach Father God through Jesus in his name, and name means his person, not just a babble of, of, of some, some, like, some, you know, I don't know what the word is. What's the word I'm thinking of? Some formula, formula, that's the word, you know, you know we, use, we use it as a formula, right? In Jesus' name, like that's hocus pocus, like boom, Jesus' name, bam, there it is. That's, that's not what this is about at all. This is about the person of Jesus. This is about Jesus, the Son of God, who has direct connection to the Father, and we come to God the Father in Jesus' name, in his authority. Like a, like a servant carries a message on behalf of his master, and so we approach the throne of grace, not in our own merit, but through the person of who Jesus is. And that's how we pray. We come to God the Father in Jesus' name because of what he has done and who he is, not in anything of ourselves. We deserve hell. We deserve separation. His blood cleanses us, and it's in him that we can go to the Father. That's awesome. I mean, thank you, Lord, right? That's it. 
That's it. That's why we can approach God. In John 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, uh, a familiar passage, and he's teaching them that he is the way to the Father. Remember that? And I go to prepare a place for you. And remember Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus says, oh, Philip. Like, how many times has he said, called you out on that? Like, oh, Jason. <laughs> right, me too. Oh, John, 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 John. Right, all of us. Like, what are you thinking? What do you think? He says, oh, Philip, don't you know me? Like, Philip, don't you know who I am? I've been with you a long time. And he says these words. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And so as we come to Jesus, we come to the only one who has direct access to Father God. There's no getting to him without Jesus. we got to come through Jesus. That's how we come. And in John 14, verse 13, he says, I will do whatever you ask, Jesus says, in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. And we come to Father God, in the name of Jesus. Biblical prayer, the who, is about praying to Father God in and through Jesus' name, his authority. We come to the Father in Jesus. And that's the who, Father God. The who of our prayer is Father God. That's who we're praying to. That's who we seek. That's who we want to talk to. That's who we need to talk to. That's why we talk to God. That's why we pray. And the only way we're gonna, we can do that is through Jesus, through Jesus, in Jesus. And the last thing is this, third thing is this, prayer only happens with the help of the Holy Spirit. Okay, prayer only happens with the help of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I'm gonna say something that's gonna be like, what? Here you go. I'm gonna say it anyway. You can't even pray without the Holy Spirit. You can't pray without the Holy Spirit. You can say a lot of words. You can babble on and on. And God can hear everything, yes. But you can't pray to God through Jesus without the Holy Spirit. It's impossible, and it's biblically the way it is. It's the truth. Right? You can't. This is why we need this is why we need the Holy Spirit living in us. This is why it's so important for us to help people understand that they are separated from God, lost for eternity, and they need to come to faith in Christ, confess Him as Lord, repent of their sins, be immersed in Jesus, and covered with Jesus, and have that newness of life in them. They need the Holy Spirit in them, and they can't get it any other way. This is how God has prescribed for us to receive the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, your prayers are empty. They're powerless. They are going nowhere. Check this out. Last week, we, we talked about who's on the throne, right? Talked about who's on the throne, the Game of Thrones, that movie and that kind of thing. And we talked about, in one of the points, I mentioned the perfect storm. The perfect storm, the, the hurricanes that met and destroyed the ship, the boat. And the power and the battles that are all around us, the forces of evil that are always are, are working against us, coming after us all the time. Well, when it comes to biblical prayer, the power of the Trinity is unleashed 
in prayer. See, all three are present in prayer. I don't think we realize that. When we pray, when we bow our heads and call out to God, the Holy Spirit, the Son of God, and the Father are all actively working right now, right there, right here. And I, what, what's going to stop them, really? What? The only thing stopping them is, is us. Our own flesh is getting in the way somewhere, somehow. But if we truly just, just understood what we're doing and, and who we're doing it through and who we're doing it with and who we're doing it toward... God would work in mighty ways in our life. Ways that you would never, ever believe. The Trinity is unleashed in prayer. Connecting a person who is made in the image of God with Creator God Himself. The Holy Spirit is actively working. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to look at that. This is our last uh, passage. 1 Corinthians 2, if you would, go there. 1 Corinthians 2. The Holy Spirit is actively working. Verses um, 6 to 9, I want to start there. Paul writes to the Corinthians, and he says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the ruler of this age who are coming to nothing. Okay, not their wisdom, not worldly wisdom. Remember, we're not of this world. We're strangers, we're foreigners, we're aliens. In this world, we don't, we, don't, we don't go by the wisdom of the world. We go by the wisdom of the king of heaven. That's how we live. That's how we should be living. Verse 7, no, we declare God's wisdom, that's the wisdom we want, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Now get ready, right? Right? That's like get ready because if you love God, if you're crying out to God, if you're saying like Paul, I want to know Christ, if you're saying like David, created me a clean heart, if you're crying out to God and you're understanding that you're at the throne of God's grace when you pray, then get ready. You better hold on. Things are about to bust loose and you're not going to be able to control it unless you're trying to control it. And that's part of the problem. You know, right? Right? Christians, we want to control it. We want to control God. Let's not let anything get crazy. We want to control God, and that's, that's our first thing we better let go of. First thing we better let go of is thinking that we control God. That's the foolish battle right there. He says, but the things God has prepared for those who love him, watch out. Because nobody, nobody could predict what's going to happen next. Verse 10, he says, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. And this is why I said a minute ago, we're going to get into this, why you can't even pray if you don't have the Holy Spirit. Here's why. These things, he says, God has revealed to us, how? By his spirit. See, God's wisdom, hidden and revealed, is revealed to us, how? By God's spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. The spirit does. You don't, I don't, the spirit does. The spirit in you longs to connect with the spirit of God. 
The spirit that he put in you wants to communicate and connect with the spirit of God. Well, what's stopping him? I am. My flesh is getting in the way. My thinking that I know certain things is getting in the way. Verse 11, for who knows a person's thoughts? Who knows my thoughts except their own spirit that is within them? My spirit knows my thoughts, that's who. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except who? The spirit of God. I hope you're looking at this passage. This is intense. Only the Spirit of God knows the thoughts of God, and only the Spirit of me knows the, the thoughts of me. And so here we go, right? We got the Spirit of God in work, and we got the Spirit that's living in me at work, and the Holy Spirit is in here working, and God is working, and the only way it's going to happen is if these two can connect, right? That's the only way. And then he says in verse 12, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. He's now living in you so that we may understand what God has freely given us. The spirit of God living in you helps you understand what God has freely given you. That's the only way it's going to happen. That's the only way prayer happens. Verse 13, this is what we speak. Not in words taught by human wisdom, it's not about what I know or what I think or my clever ideas. But in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. You know, there's a lot going on in prayer that I will never understand. And I think we can all admit there's a lot going on in prayer that we just will not get. We don't understand it. We just don't. We admit that. I admit that. But there is something going on between the Spirit of God in heaven and the Spirit of God that he put in me when I gave my life to him that the only way prayer happens is if the two can communicate freely in me and in God. Not me just saying a bunch of words. That's why prayer is not that. I could come up with all kinds of cool prayers from here. But if it isn't coming from my spirit, like if I'm not letting the spirit of God in me communicate with the spirit of God who is in heaven, then I haven't really prayed at all. I just said a bunch of stuff. Do you get that? Do you understand that? I mean, do you see what Paul is trying to help these Corinthians understand? This is so critical for us when it comes to biblical prayer and who we're talking to and how we get to him and who's helping us. It's huge. Verse 14, the spirit or the person without the Spirit does not accept, we read this earlier, the things that come from the Spirit of God, right? You've, so if the Spirit's not here, I can't accept it. I don't understand it. It's, it's like, it's Greek to me. It, I can't get it. it will, I'll never get it. I'll never comprehend it. But considers these things foolish. And cannot understand them because they are discerned in me only by the Spirit that's living in me. Verse 15, the person with the Spirit person now with the Holy Spirit in them makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments for who, verse 16, has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, not us. And then he says, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ living in us because the Spirit of God is living in us. This changes everything about prayer. It should. This should change everything about your prayer life. Right? We got, we got our lists of things, and, and that's fine. 
And we got things that we pray for, our kids and our grandkids and all people, and we intercede, and we're doing all the right things. I do believe we, we try to do the right things. But I don't think we understand well enough yet what the Spirit is trying to do in us as it tries to communicate with the Creator. I think that freaks us out, and we, don't, we back away. We back away. We don't want any part of that. It could lead to something crazy. And so what we have done is shut the valves off, and we just pray in the flesh. We operate in the flesh. We just, we just do what we think we should do, and we pray, but I'm not so sure it's the Spirit of God living in us that's praying. I don't know. You've got to decide for yourself what's going on. Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. The Spirit, or that go-between in Romans 8.26 says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, right? The Spirit helps us in our weakness. He intercedes for us, and it says, in his own language. That's crazy. So I say, let him. Let him. Let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit needs to do. God put him in you. You believe that God put the Holy Spirit in you when you gave your life to Christ? So you believe, we all believe, the Holy Spirit is alive in here. Well, the Holy Spirit belongs to God. Let God, in prayer, communicate with his Holy Spirit. However you need to do that. I don't know how, what that looks like for you. Maybe it just looks like you flat on your face, quiet as you can possibly be, just crying out to God, speak, God, speak to my heart. God, speak to my spirit. Because I know when God is able to do that, he will bring you in, right? He'll read you into what he's doing, where you need to be. He'll show you what it is he's doing in his spirit in you so that you will do and be obedient to what it is he wants you to do. Just trust God. Trust God. Stop relying on your own understanding and just trust that God wants to speak to the spirit that he put in you and you and I just need to get out of the way. And just, just let God speak to his spirit. Prayer happens when the spirit of God living in you connects with the Spirit of Father God through the power and the authority of Jesus. And the goal of prayer, the goal of prayer is not just to communicate with God and have this awesome relationship with God, which is the number one goal, is that God wants to, to be with us and walk with us and use us for his glory. But the goal is to do God's will on the earth, and the goal of God's will on the earth is to change the world. It's to reach the lost, to seek and to save the lost. So that's what's at the end of prayer, is that we do what God calls us to do. Right? That's what we do. I I love this passage in Acts chapter 21. Acts 21. I'm sorry. I I didn't mean to lie. It just kind of happened. I do have one more passage, Acts 21. Love this passage of prayer, and we're going to end up, we're going to close with this. So you can come on. Acts 21, verses 1 to 5. Check this out. After we had torn, this is uh, Paul. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's, he's, he's poured his heart out to the elders, right? And he's on his way. He knows what's ahead for him. He's going to be like, he's going to be arrested. He's probably getting thrown in prison, but he knows what's ahead. And so in Chapter 21, before he leaves for Rome, look what he says. 
uh, it says, I'm, I'm sorry, he goes to Jerusalem and there he's arrested and then he goes on from there. But in verse one, it says, after we had torn ourselves away from them, the elders, we put out to sea and we sailed straight toward Kos. The next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patera. We found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, went on board and set sail after, after sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it. I love the details of this, don't you? I mean, you can almost picture this. If you've probably ever been there, you would know exactly what he's talking about. I am not. Closest I've gotten is to Malta. I've been to Malta. That's a cool, that's a cool little island. Malta, anybody been to Malta? I love Malta. It's awesome. Okay. After uh, sighting Cyprus, we passing on the south of it. We sailed to Syria. We landed in Tyre, where our ship was to unload its cargo. Finding the disciples there, we stayed with them seven days. This is so cool, Paul, telling us every detail. Seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged, they urged uh, Paul not to go to Jerusalem. But when our time was up, we left and continued on our way. All the disciples and their wives and their children accompanied us out of the city and there on the beach, we knelt and prayed. That's pretty cool. And that's just, Paul knows what's coming. He knows where he's going. And he knows his time on earth is short. He's about to die for Christ. And he's just going around encouraging the believers and they get ready to leave and they go to the beach because they're about to get on the boat and they fall on their knees in the sand and they cry out to God. Ah, oh, how cool to be there. How awesome it might have been to be there. Right? To experience prayer like prayer should be. It not only tells us like the where of you can pray, that's anywhere, right? It doesn't only tell us like who we can pray with because here they're all praying together. And that's cool. That's, that's what prayer should be too. It's not just tells us like we read earlier that you should go in and close the door and privately talk to your Father in heaven. You should do that too. It doesn't matter where, when, how, what matters is when you pray, that you understand, that I understand, that we are praying together, that we are praying to Father God. We are standing before the throne of God in that very moment. Like we should never rush somebody in that. You know, we should never like say, hurry up, come on, let's go. If, if you find yourself doing that, then you are not understanding where you are. Because if you were at the throne of God, really, and you understood it, you probably wouldn't want to leave. Right? And you'd probably go there more often. But we're praying to God the Father, and we're coming to Him by the authority and in the very person of Jesus who makes that way possible. And He's the only way we can get there. And we're doing that with the help of the Holy Spirit who is living in us. And without him in us, we can't even go through Jesus and approach the throne of God's grace. It cannot happen. Biblically, it is not true. 
So from now on, when you pray, when you pray, let this be your truth. When you pray, if you would, bow your heads with me. When you pray, whatever you got to do to snap yourself out of the the fog that you might be in up until the moment you closed your eyes, if you got to slap yourself upside the cheek, whatever it takes to help you realize, to help me realize what I'm about to do, the seriousness of it, the importance of it, the intensity of it, and the privilege and the honor of it. That we would realize what we're doing, that the only one we can do it through, and the only one that can help us do it correctly. Father, we... We need you. We just need you, God. Even when it comes to praying, God, we need you to help us. We don't know what to pray. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to do it. We just pray that you would help us in our mind, in our soul, in our body, in our flesh, God. Help us to learn how to get out of the way so that the spirit that you put in us can talk to you. And we'll learn how to be quiet and listen. Just listen. Not even knowing what we might hear, if we hear anything. But knowing that your spirit wants to connect with you. And that spirit is alive in us. He's going to bring us into the the story. He's going to bring us into the communication at some point, somehow. Give us ears to hear, God, and eyes to see. We might walk with you and obey you better. Oh, Lord, we love you. Love you so much. We give you praise and we give you thanks for all this. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' authority. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.